What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Jetstream, the official New York Jets podcast of Gotham Sports Network. My name is Jesse Finver, and with me, as always, is the man, the myth, the legend, Connor Sheeran. Connor, how we doing on this week two officially beginning today? These intros you get for me get like better and more like you know, <laughs> like more crazy like every single week. But I, I mean, it's all at the don't, top. It's don't take that top. as a slight. I mean, yeah. by all means, keep doing them. Uh, feeling good. You know, I'm feeling good about, you know, put it this way. I mean, based on, I mean, obviously we'll talk about it, but, you know, based on everything that happened on Sunday, this could be a, like, could be so much worse and could be a more of a doom and gloom type show, but it's not. Right. I'm in a you good know, place. We, we started the, the game and we go, let's, let's get right into it. The Jets started like shit. They were just, they, they looked awful and in really much, pretty much like all, all aspects. The first half was just an abomination. And they went into halftime, they made adjustments, and Zach looked really good. And we'll get into that later. We, have, we talk a whole lot about Zach Wilson in this episode with our guests, and we'll get to our guest uh, very soon. Uh, but Connor, just your overall, your thoughts on, on, Wilson, the offense, the defense. You know, you know what? We talk about the offense a lot in the interview. Yeah. Let's get your thoughts on how the defense looked real quick uh, before we go anything. We obviously, we don't have any, we, we, we don't have Carl Lawson this season. We, we missed him. We don't get him week one. So, you know, the, the, front, the front seven looked a little shaky, especially against the running back of Chris McCaffrey's uh, of stature. And it's not even yeah. just the run game itself. Like the run game, um, you know, he averaged a little under five carries per game. Uh, five yards per carry 21 carries for 98 yards. But I didn't think the run defense itself looked that bad. That was more of like a death by a thousand paper cuts kind of thing where the front it's kind of hard for, it's hard for almost any run rushing defense to keep up with Christian McCaffrey. Right. Like, and so it, it felt like more like a death by a thousand paper cuts. Whereas the actual like gashes were in the passing game. Right. Uh, he had nine catches for 89 yards. So just your overall thoughts on the defense. Uh, I think kind of like you just touched on it for, you know, very quickly, but, um, uh, you talk, yeah, I think the front's the biggest kind of quote unquote disappointment, um, uh, was the front seven, you know, we've been hyping them up for weeks about, you know, Quinnen and Sheldon Rankins and okay. And one bright spot of that front seven or really just defensive line was, uh, John Franklin Myers. I mean, he, yeah. he, he came to play on Sunday. Yes, you know, he, he, had this, he had the sack on Darnold. Uh, he did, was he the guy that um, – no, Sheldon Rankins that got the uh, fumble on Darnold near the goal line. Um, but, yeah, that defensive line, I don't know what happened and why they, like, just vanished, especially Quinnen. Like, I didn't hear his name once on Sunday, and that was right. a big disappointment. Um, and the linebackers, I mean, it just felt like outside of C.J. Mosley, it's like and, – and Shaq Lawson. I think Shaq Lawson had a few good plays out there too. But C.J. Mosley yeah. – like he wasn't as like you know explosive or anything like that, but he was making plays. He, right. He, he was doing what you. He was getting back into a game that he hadn't played and hasn't played in two years. Yeah, like, and the matchup he, wasn't exactly ideal. Exactly. You're asking him to go go out there and basically be the guy that's responsible for trying to cover Christian McCaffrey, and that's just not going to work. For, right. You and, know. But I but I think that bringing him up is a good is a is a it is good because something I noticed was that the defense, while there isn't a lot of talent in this unit, they didn't look panicked ever. And mm -hmm. I think that having a guy like CJ Mosley, you know, multiple time, all pro pro bowler, you know, 
I think he went to a, he he won a Super Bowl with the Ravens. I'm pretty sure. Having a guy like that back there, I feel like it just calms everybody else down. Where you know the middle of the field is taken care of. And yes, right. he struggled against McCaffrey. Any linebacker outside of maybe Bobby Wagner is going to struggle. Or you know, sorry, Jamal Adams. He's a linebacker. He's being. <laughs> <like that. laughs> You know, either one of either one of those guys. Think, you know, and honestly, McCaffrey would cook them all. So, you know, just Bob, Bobby Wagner. Anybody outside <laughs> of Bobby, you're probably going to struggle. You know, you just are. But I'm more excited to see him the next 17 weeks. Or I guess it's 16 weeks. 16, 17? 17, 17, well, 16 games. 16 more games. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that for sure. Um, I think that we're, he's going to get he's going to get better. As the season goes along, he's going to get it, it's more. I feel it just feels like it's more of like one of those things where he's he's just he, he dipped his toe in the water last week. And now we're going to get the foot next week. And right. We're going to get the legs and then you'll get the whole and then he'll just dunk his head. You know, you hope, and you hope it's the same thing with the defensive line. Right. And like I, I hope they, they went into the meeting room this week and um, I forget off the top of my head who uh, the defensive line coach Ol- is. Oh, but- I don't know the defensive line off the top of my head, but I know. Uh, Ulbrich is the right. defensive. Yeah, but I hope he just walks in there and he throws his hands up and be like, "Where the hell were you guys on Sunday?" Yeah, the Panthers' the offensive line is not very good, and you guys weren't doing anything. Like, right. So, what happened? And like, we're gonna see hope. Sam like on his ass like yeah. six times next week. And and and, and Mac Jones, to his credit, had a, a you know a very solid game. You know, I think he's he definitely played the best out of all the rookies on Sunday, rookie quarterbacks. Um. But, I mean, he's also a rookie quarterback, and that's who they're playing on Sunday. So right. this is also the thing that, you know, it gives them another opportunity to go out there and to do something that they didn't do on Sunday. The Patriots don't have Christian McCaffrey. They they have a, a – and they don't have any very good skill position. They, they, have, they have no skill position. Player. I think this is the first time in I don't know how long that we can say that the Jets have better skill position players than the New England Patriots. Right. And that is like – that is astounding to say. So, you know, the onus is on the Patriots offensive line to stop the Jets defensive line, and they need to step up because also, you know, and this is, you know, uh, the Jets secondary shockingly managed to step up and play pretty damn well, considering most of them, and this is probably also a Sam Darnold thing, but the majority of his passes, the leading receiver was Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. So, you know, that is also probably Sam Darnold just relying on McCaffrey as much, which most quarterbacks would do. A lot yeah, of you know, quarterbacks I thought, would do that. So I, it's yeah. not, it's, so it's, you know, Bryce Hall, play, I thought he played pretty solid going up against, I think he probably recovered DJ Moore the most, like most of the game. Right. So, and then the Robbie Anderson play, I think that was more on, um, Safety. Yeah, Red Redwine. Yeah. I mean, he they signed him a week Sheldrick, ago. Sheldrick Redwine. Yeah, he got. He just got. I mean, he got turned up and he he just got cooked. By yeah, Robbie. but you know, like I was I was impressed with like Michael Carter. He had a tackle for loss in the past yep. defended. Javelin mm-hmm. Gidry had a tackle for loss. Um, yep. I, I thought I thought overall. And um, Gidry, I, I believe it was Gidry. He probably stopped the Christian McCaffrey touchdown. It was like third and something, and it was a, like a little swing route out to McCaffrey. And Gidry was the only one. If it was Gidry, I could be wrong. Was like the only one in front of McCaffrey, and he made uh, like he made like a uh, an ankle tackle. He gets past him. McCaffrey scores a touchdown. Like, I, I so. can't remember the Jets missing a tackle on Sunday. 
Yeah, I I I don't think they they missed many tackles, if at all. Where like there was, you know, yak. Yeah. Afterwards, like I I just think that this team, it's clear this team is well coached. Um, and I think that and we get into that that debate uh, with our guest. Um, well, not even a debate; it's more of a discussion. Just about there's a lot of fan complaints about the play calling on offense, and we talk just about in general. Uh, but I thought I thought that. I thought that this team looked young, looked like, Very young. like looked like it started the most rookies in the league and had, had the most rookies take snaps in the league in the first half. And in the second half, it felt like everybody just kind of took a collective deep breath and calmed down a little bit. And you could tell that they made a, a lot of very good adjustments. Um, you know, we're going to get into it. Why don't we introduce our guests? And, well, uh, I, I want to say uh, uh, it's real it, quick. just because of the defense that they – B.J. Goodson as a new linebacker because they needed a linebacker. Sorry, who? You broke up there a little bit. Oh, they signed B.J. Goodson, uh, linebacker. Yes, veteran they line, did. Linebacker. Who they, Is it B.J. They Goodson or B.J. Hill? B.J. Goodson. B.J. Goodson. Ex-Giant. Yes. He was, on, he was yes. on the Browns last season, but uh, by uh, and by all accounts, the main reason he wasn't hasn't been signed is because he's a very injury-prone. So given the Jets' current situation, not – Totally ideal, but they also had our uh, our wayward son Avery Williamson back in the building. They didn't they sign did. him yet, but he was back in the building. And I gotta say, and maybe it's just nostalgia talking, but I mean, why not? The just linebacker, yeah. just linebacker unit right now is nothing. Is not looking. I mean, they lost. Did they lose? They lost. Uh, did they lose Sherwood? I think. Yeah, they did. They lost yeah, Jamie they lost and Sherwood and Blake Cashman. Yeah, well, Cashman. I mean, that dude. I think has played like in like three games. Yeah, <laughs> like for the that poor guy. He's he never he had, like never really got a shot. He's like but, the guy in SpongeBob who's who every morning <laughs> breaks his arms and legs. Every morning I break my arms. And every morning, every night I break my legs. Glass bones <laughs> and paper skin. Yeah, that's <laughs> Blake Cashman. But uh, so yeah, by all means, I'm, I, if they want to bring back Avery Williamson, go for it. I mean, they clearly need uh, linebacker help. And uh, they also signed punter. Um, Thomas Morstead. Thomas Morstead. Saints legend. Because those sons of bitches, those Panthers, they took Braden Mann from us. I know. For, for a couple, we got, by the we way. Got the Mad, we got the Mad Amandola show, which was fantastic. By the way, completely ridiculous that he did, that they didn't call that for roughing the punter, like roughing the kicker. Insanity. I don't care if they thought he like got pushed into him. The fact that he just didn't get up. Is like it's absurd. Like, the punter stays on the ground for ten seconds or more. Flag is thrown. Yeah, that, that should uh, be a rule. It should be a rule. Unless, unless it's blatantly obvious that, it, like, say, like his own player came and ran, like, ran him over. Like, it's pretty they're ridiculous. Hardly, that they didn't they're call hardly that. wearing pads. Right, and you know, I'm brain man. He's been. Uh, we've been joking about that, the fact that he's been like the Jets' best player since he's been drafted. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, <laughs> And then Matt Amendola for that first half was like definitely the Jets' best player in the first half. He's punting the ball like crazy, and like sixty yards one time. It was yeah. insane. And as good as he was doing, they can't keep a kicker as the punter. So right, I'm glad they glad they went out and they got another one. Indeed. All right, let's uh, let's get to our guest. This week we have a very very fun guest, Tim Jenkins of Jenkins Elite. Quarterbacks coach, former NFL quarterback. I'll get the full intro in the uh, interview, but enjoy this interview with Tim Jenkins. 
All right. We're welcome on the jet stream now. A very special guest. Everybody, please put your hands together for Tim Jenkins of Jenkins Elite. He's a founder, CEO, and quarterback coach, NFL analyst, former NFL quarterback. He does it all. He does it all, folks. Tim, welcome to the show. I'm pumped up. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I always, uh, I like feel weird when I go on podcasts because people like, tell you know, they like introduce you and you're like, ah, oh, you could, you know, it's always weird. It's always weird hearing that. But I'm <laughs> you pumped hype, up. You hype me up. <laughs> yeah, I'm always like, uh, I always feel like I'm trying to gas other people up. So when someone gasses me, I'm like, I'm all right. <laughs> all right. Well, obviously, um, it, it, it's obvious why we wanted to have you on the show. You are an expert in in all things offensive side of the fo- football. And as a Jets podcast, we have a lot of questions for an expert such as yourself. Because honestly, uh, there's a whole lot going on with this offense, this team in general, but specifically the offense. Uh, and I want to start with the most obvious topic, and it's the quarterback. Zach Wilson, second overall pick out of BYU. He is... Six four, six three, big arm. You know he can run, he can move, throw on the run, do do it all. What I want to ask you first is what your initial impression with of him was coming into the NFL. You know, not not talking about training camp or OTAs or preseason or week one. We'll get to that. But what was your initial evaluation of Zach Wilson, the quarterback, coming out of BYU? Yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, Jets fans love hearing this, but uh, when I did all my rankings and stuff, I had him as QB1, right? Now, was it a huge spread over Trevor? No. What I saw in Trevor's game, which I think, honestly, we saw against the Texans, was he struggled against, like, what we would call trap coverages, right, when you're in an NFL locker room. But it's just stuff where it's like, hey, hey, it's got every indicator that this is Tampa 2, and then all of a sudden they spin and it's cover 1, or they spin and it's cover 3. He threw like two interceptions or I don't know if it was two picks or just two contested balls against Wake Forest and Trevor Lawrence did that. So to me, it was like there were little breadcrumbs on tape when you saw things that you knew he was going to get in the NFL that didn't didn't check out everything that you were hearing about him. Whereas Zach, I think, and unfortunately, that's a byproduct of playing at BYU, but you're going to face more rotational. You're going to face more trap coverage because people aren't really scared of BYU kids running by you, right? Let's like, let's right. be honest, right? right? Everybody's seen the uh, Key and Peele skit about Dan Smith, <laughs> BYU, right? I think everybody knows <laughs> who they've got in the slot. So I think it's, you know, it's one of those things that he saw more of it. So the way he processed it, you know, he checked out better for me. So I had him in, and again, it wasn't a huge spread, but I, I was really high on him coming in. I think he showed you in the preseason that obviously he does a really good job processing information, in a simplified setting, which is that of the preseason, right? There were a couple things that came up in actual week one that would lead you to believe, okay, we struggled with X, Y, Z from what he's seeing perspective. Um, But just, I I mean, I was really high on Zach. I think he has everything you want in terms of the ability to process. He can fit the ball into any window, but he's also mobile enough to, you know, escape. And and we saw that on Sunday, a ton of, of his mobility trying to get out of the pocket. So <laughs> Needless think, to say, a little yeah, too he much, was, he me. was able to, uh, he was able to protect himself. So I, I was really high on him when coming out of BYU. Where are you, Jesse? No, I know Jesse's Jesse's adjusting was always a Justin Fields. Oh, yeah. 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 Right, anything. Yes. So I was, <laughs> I was definitely in on Justin Fields. I went to Penn State, so I got to yeah. see this this guy up up close and personal uh, too often. And uh, 
what really impressed me about Fields was in the national semifinal game, I believe it was against Clemson, when he took that shot to the ribs and he just was able to get back up and he threw like four, four yeah. touchdowns. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, that's that is something that's going to happen in the NFL. We saw it with Wilson this past weekend where he took so many shots. He said he had whiplash after the game because he got hit so many times. There was one play. I forget who it was, um, but basically, like, I guess Feeney or whoever it was, like, maybe it was McGovern, just the guy got past him in 0.2 seconds, the defensive yeah. lineman. Yeah. And Wilson took a full-on, like, this is like how, like, you teach, like, players to, like, tackle, like, like you like in a, into yeah. a tackle dummy. Like, Wilson was basically just a tackle dummy right there. And yeah. he got full-on, and, like, usually there's, like, a... Uh, there's um, a mat, like like a, a like there's cushion, and like you tackle the tackle dummy to the cushion. You get up, next guy goes right. Yeah, th- that, except that was real life, and like yeah, you know. <laughs> you know? So I, when I saw that with Fields, I was like, oh man, like this is this is the guy. And then you started hearing a little rumblings about Wilson, right? You hear a little bit of rumblings about this guy's arm. You should see him, the throws this guy makes off platform, this and that. And then pro day came, and basically like just everybody just freaking out, losing their minds over these throws. And I love in pro days now where like they have like announcers. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, they're like, like analyzing. What's they're, showing on, like, they're showing on like ESPN. And, like, yeah. And like NFL Network. pro day on the NFL network. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. And like, you have like guys like, they're like, Whoa, look at that. Look at that. Oh, my yeah. they're, like, they're like, they're like hype men. Like yeah. I bet like Zach's probably like paying them to like hype them up. You know, like I, I wanted fields. I, I, I love the the, uh, the mobility, the arm, everything, his ability to process. I thought it was really impressive. But as we got closer and closer to the draft, I was like, all right, everybody's really hyping up this kid. I got to see what he's about. And so I watched a couple of highlights, and I'm like, all right, like I still don't – like he looks good, but like I've never watched him play. This is yeah. – you're the type of guy who I would go to on Twitter, and I'd be like, all right, I need to see like what the people who actually know what they're talking about are saying about him. And everything you said was like – I was like, all right, I'm on board. Like, yes. yeah. yeah. And it, was, think, uh, it, it was it was across the board. It was everybody was like, yeah, like you should probably like pay attention to this kid. And you yeah. know what? It, you know, Connor, both you and I have been all over Joe Douglas as our Lord and Savior. <laughs> that, man, that man is picking the, the Mormon out of out of Utah, out of BYU. Then he's my guy also. Right. Yeah. That's where I land. That's how I landed. And that's how that's how we got to today. Yeah. I think the thing that was hard is you assume that when you're going to watch BYU tape, you're going to watch like some modified air raid. That's really not that projectable. And the truth was that his tape, honestly, I thought was some of the most consistent pro style concepts. He just did them from the gun. Right. And I think, which is where the NFL is going anyway. So it doesn't even matter, but I do think, well, I mean, well, ultimately what hurt fields had nothing to do with his control, but it's just that no one thinks, Brian Day's offense is of any sophistication, so they have a hard time projecting him. And then you compound that with they don't do any protection checks at Ohio State, so then he gets to the Bears, and what do you see? You see a free runner blast him in the face in preseason game two, and it has nothing to do with the kid. The kid can handle it. It just has everything to do with, unfortunately, he played for a guy who likes to sit and opine about RPO, and really it's just like, dude, you have a five-star, like, like, it's just all, like, for a football guy, it's all BS. It's like, oh, let's read this drop-down safety. It's like, cool, your guy's going to run by him. Like, it's not right. like it's real, you know, sophisticated stuff. So I think, unfortunately, that's what hurt Justin in the draft. And I just think that's also why I don't think Matt Nagy 
while everyone else can see like, okay, it's pretty obvious. Let's go with this kid. And I've been saying like, just put Justin in. I yeah. think that's still why guys like Matt Nagy are hesitant because they, you know, they don't want him to take the free runners and all that stuff. And, and they don't want him to take the beating that is probably going to happen if, if he plays behind the Bears a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think anybody with eyes could see that Andy Dalton was not the move last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fields, Fields came in, it was the same, same thing with Trey Lance. He came in for, like, what, one play? Yeah. And Fields, like, th- and his, his pass was... His pass and he scored a touchdown. He scored yeah, a touchdown. Yeah. Well, yeah, so, yeah, so, so Lance, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, go, going off of that, so uh, what did you think of Wilson after week one? Again, yes, I th- you know, what, what he was able to do. Yeah, I think the week one, I, you know, so I, I don't know what portion of Jets Twitter I got somehow <laughs> on my timeline, but I got the one that was like pretty negative about the coordinator and his outing. And, and honestly, I, like, I really don't think it was that bad. Like, I would have loved to see him not throw the INT because the INT was just a a really terrible decision, mm-hmm. like about the only guy you shouldn't throw to on that look. Right. With that being said, like everything else seemed relative, but my bigger concern about it would have been, there were two times that they walked up and basically what turns into a bare front and that Sam linebacker comes free. Mm-hmm. My bigger concern is who's that on? Is that a right tackle bust or is that on Zach not pointing to the right guy to, you know, to make sure the protection sound? If it was a protection situation, that's a massive concern to me. If it was just simply your right tackle busting, like, that happens. But the way the dude competed in terms of, like, hey, I've got to get out of the pocket here. I've got to stand in the pocket here. I've got to navigate it here. Like, I don't know how you could walk away not happy because, like, let's be honest, there were a bunch of guys just getting beat left and right. And it wasn't like, hey, I'm getting bull rushed a little bit and you need to slide. It was like... No, I'm not, you know, the guy just shook me. I'm gone, right? Like, yeah, like we right. saw we saw AVT get, like, pancaked a couple times, and like, I think it was clear that he hadn't played in any NFL game. Like, he'd only played yeah. in camp, and he didn't get any preseason time, and they were running stunts, and I, I think yeah. I, I saw McGovern talk about that today and, and Sala, where they were like, yeah, like, they're going to keep on running stunts until we can prove we can stop them, you know? And it, yeah. was, it, was, it, and it was the same thing, and going up uh, – Beckton, I think what we learned from especially Sunday is just that the man is just like he's so large and yeah. but uh, that is working against him because he can't keep up with fast edge rushers. Yeah. I mean he was getting beat left and right on Sunday and it was up until the and and it sucks to say but it's like the second he the second he came out not the protection was better but it's yeah. like the offense really started like you know putting stuff together. I think that also plays into you know something that we as Jets fans aren't used to seeing out the past two seasons with Adam Gase. But, like, they actually made adjustments at halftime, and obviously yeah. things started working. But, I mean, it's obvious more than anything that whatever happened on Sunday with the offensive line, whether it be communication or just, like, guys just not being ready. And let, I don't know if it's I, – I, I'm hesitant to say it's lack of skill set on certain players, but, you know, obviously a lot of this needs fixing. A lot of them got exposed. And no, so- it – yeah. Tim, I, I saw something very similar to what you're talking about, where there was a lot of fans who were very down on the play calling. And I would love your opinion as someone, as a former quarterback. Did you really think it was that bad? Because I personally have seen some, in my lifetime, covering football, whether it's professionally or just as doing this, like this podcast, or um, just going to every Penn State game I could go to in college and just watching football for years and years. 
I've seen some really bad play callers. Like I watched John Donovan call a screen pass for Christian Hackenberg every single play at Penn State my fresh my freshman sophomore year. I've seen Adam Gase do the exact same thing for the Jets the last two years. Like just horrible, horrible. We had Connor, we went over this a couple weeks ago, but like the number of offensive coordinators the Jets have gone through, like went through the list, hilarious list of names. Yeah. Right. Last yesterday, I'm not an expert, but it looked pretty damn pretty damn solid. Like a nice mixture of run pass. Good, like good play designs, um, situationally like aware of like what's going on, you know, going for it in the right situations, which isn't all, you know, Lafleur and whatnot. It's it, that's also solid. But I just felt like, as a whole, it just felt like there were adults running things for once, and we finally have had that at the GM level the last couple of years with Douglas, and now it finally feels like we have that with the coaching and the play calling and for some reason fans are still complaining so can you just tell these fans that they're wrong please <laughs> that it was good I play think, calling you know i do think that the play calling is interesting because I, I i don't think like i love everybody that watches it at home on tv but it's it's really hard to like it's such a nuanced question right like hey is this guy a good nfl play caller is like you know, it'd be like, I don't even know what it's the, like the comparison is if you go to like the medical field, right? It'd be like, hey, is this guy really good at like this one niche surgery? And the, and the, and the truth is, is for the Jets, this week it checked out, right? So here's how you, here's to me how you grade offensive coordinators. You grade the first two drives on did they come out and run plays that actually make sense for this defensive look? Huh. The answer was yes. The run game, they did it, and in the pass game, they had single high beaters and they were attacking them. Then the follow-up is, what did you change as you recognized what was going on? And you guys with the Jets, you went from really trying to drive the ball down the field and take a bunch of shots to more single high quick game, and that's when the offense started rolling. So to me, he checked out in kind of all the aspects. I tell you that the adjustment of getting out of the boot stuff and out of the downfield stuff into the quick game maybe took a couple more series than you would like to see. With that being said, I also don't know how much of that is, hey, we have this limited script to begin with because we have a rookie quarterback. Right. You know, let's try to make sure we're working through it. So that would be the other question is, you know, what did they really have at their disposal? But honestly, everything from what that OC did checked out for me. Now, are there, of course, things that like they're going to look at on tape and say, man, I wish we would have gone back to this? Yeah, that's every single play caller, right? But right. Um, I do think that from the way they designed it, it was really good. Now, the execution, right? I mean, listen, there were some receivers that I thought like really just need to go make a play. Yeah. There was a one scramble drill that the guy didn't really adjust to, so it looks like he barely got a hand on. But if you watch on the All-22 – like, if he takes a higher angle on the sideline, like, that could be a touchdown. I think and that was the Corey the Davis throw down the sideline. Yeah. 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 And then all of a sudden, the Jets are leading the game. Then there's another deep ball down the middle where it's like, you know, you'd love to see somebody go up and compete for it. So there were a lot of issues and I, that I think if, the, if solved, no one would have been complaining about the play calling. Because you're right, two big plays away from everyone. You guys beat the Panthers, and then everyone on planet Earth is losing their mind. So. Right. I think it's one of those things that, you know, it, it's all relative. I always struggle with the people where it's like, oh, this offense isn't moving the balls, so therefore this coordinator sucks. It's like, it's a little more nuanced than that. You you would say he sucks if it's like, hey, we're running a bunch of, you know, post into single high safety, and that's literally what it was designed to stop, right? There's like <laughs> little things that, that you worry, and, that, and honestly, it's more or less – 
you know, like I, I, I don't, I don't want to beat somebody up when they're already down, but it's like, that's more or less what Gaze was doing, right? There were right. things where it's like, yeah. Hey, this defense is set up to stop it. And we're still running that play. That's when you really have a problem with your coordinator. Right. I mean, it's like, that's what the giants have with Garrett right now. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> so like one of the main things that fans do <clears throat> is like, we only, like you said, there's only a limited amount that we can go off of. And we only have a limited amount of knowledge. Like, we don't know the intricacies like you do, but I feel like the thing that gets fans the hottest is like, it's like second and 12 and you run up the middle and yeah. like situational play calling. That's like where fans have the most opinionated. Did you think situationally the jets did a good job in terms of wh when they decided to call the plays that they did? They were so one, they were protective, right? They, they probably ran the ball in a couple of past situations that I would be willing to bet they don't do in three to four weeks, right? When they start to feel, so they protected him a little bit where I would love to see them grow is what we call like P and 10. It's possession and 10, the first, first and 10. I would love to see them get to more of the stick game and like Oki where it's that speed out with a little stick route in the slot that they got to later. Yeah. Where it's an easy completion and you're moving forward. I think if they introduce some more of those types of concepts and they throw it on first and 10, I really think one, it's going to help this offense. It'll, you know, it, it would help the fan base, but it also backs up the defense just a little bit. Cause instead of, Hey, we're going to run zone or we're going to run power. Now we're throwing the ball. So at least you somewhat have to get softer if you're in a single high coverage. So that's something that I do think will help, and I think that I think would help, and I think we'll see grow. So I don't want to say, "Hey, I thought situationally they were great," because I'm I, I'm I'm not sold that they were. I think they were protective of Zach, and I think it's something that you would kind of expect from someone in their first start. Right, and I did see a lot of people. And one thing we all have to remember is that Jets Twitter is pretty notorious for complaining about every single little <laughs> thing. So, yeah, you know, it's a fun Zach place. Zach Wilson could have sneezed in the huddle or something like that, and people would have said, but this is why we should have kept Sam Darnold. But <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of people – I did see people like saying stuff on Sunday that, you know, Wilson was under fire and, like, pretty practically the whole game. I think I saw someone – a statistic say he was under pressure, like, over 50% of his dropbacks on Sunday, which is absurd. But I saw a lot of people – some people saying that why aren't they adjusting to just, like, do – short passes like little drag routes or you know they tried it like once or twice with elijah moore and it didn't work so why are they still sending guys like you know 10 15 yards down the field almost yeah. every play it seems like and i i there was definitely i thought some legitimacy to that and i think that yeah. they did start to like work it in there but i definitely saw that and it, that a portion of it i had me questioning lafleur a little bit but you have to remember this was also lafleur's first game professional game call like as an offensive coordinator too it's, it's a lot of rookie from coaches to players that are most all most snaps of, in the entire league together. yeah most snaps in the entire league uh the jets had the most played by rookies in week one by a lot i think it's yeah. steelers for two but the jets had like 60 or 70 more snaps by rookies what's what one hard thing about that too just a glimpse into the oc's mindset when those guys see single high coverage right they see the single high safety whether it be cover three or, or man Almost every concept in the NFL right now is to attack that deep. So I think that is something, too, that you got to get used to as a coordinator. It's like, you know, hey, I drew up this play to attack single high. But it's a, you know, right, like a downfield shot play. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, I need to, 
you know, almost take my own aggressiveness back. Cause I'm sitting up in the box and I'm looking at this and this shit looks real easy. As I look in the box, the issue is, is when you're on the field under center, it's a hell of a lot harder. Cause those guys <laughs> yeah, are right. free at you. <laughs> yeah. so it's one of those things that he'll have to remind himself as a coordinator and, and why sometimes, you know, it is harder on those guys if they haven't played quarterback to really like relate to, right. Cause there's yeah. a, there's a whole different level of, you know, for me, like I understand everything that's on the board when people want to install it, but I also remember what it was like having Von Miller come free, and then you go, you know what? I'm not sure <laughs> that we need I to don't get know to about this that. right now. <laughs> so Daniel Daniel Jones do that on Sunday too. Yeah, it's one of those <laughs> things where it's that it's that you know the the balancing act, and I think that he got better throughout the game with what you're talking about, which is incorporating. Hey, even though we have a premium look to take a shot. Let's go ahead and use, you know, one of our A plays underneath in the quick game. So I, I do think he got better with it, and hopefully that keeps going. Yeah, for sure. So I got a, I got a question for you. I, we, we're, as, as Jets fans, we watched Sam Darnold the last couple of years, and unique, uh, you know, funny enough, we play him week one this year. And I honestly thought that he looked really similar to how he'd been in the past where, you know, his feet, you know, I, I have never been in love with like with his feet. Um, I've never, I mean, we, we call uh, we call it hacky feet. Like uh, as Penn state fans, <laughs> Hackenberg feet. Uh, you know, happy feet, hacky feet. Yeah. Same thing. So, but like he yeah. made a bunch of like nice throws, which we've seen like so many times before where he has the ability, he has the arm talent to make those throws outside the numbers down the field to Robbie Anderson. Right. But he also had, you know, CMC, you know, Christian McCaffrey, something he never yeah. had with the Jets. Uh, like, you know, Le'Veon, he got sick when he had Le'Veon. He had, like, one game. They lost. It was 16 nothing in the first half, and they blew the lead. CJ Mosley got hurt. Then everything, just, he got mono, and Le'Veon, just, the whole thing blew up. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> everything <laughs> fell apart right? over the course yeah. of, like, four weeks. <laughs> but, like, a lot of people, a lot of Jets fans, like we were saying, were like, oh, we should have kept Sam Darnold. Look, we, we lost to Sam, blah, blah, blah. I want to know what your thoughts were on Sam Darnold. Did he look better do you look the same personally i thought he looked very similar to how he looked where you know he benefited greatly from being able to dump it off to mccaffrey yeah. 10 nine times for 90 yards and that was the like a you know a, a, like like a he was third their leading receiver of, yeah he was, he was, the leading, he was receiver. The leading receiver you know i i just feel like what we saw with with zach this past weekend he, like sam never looked like that and sam can move sam can do things he can he could do off off platform but i just i just it just looks different watching the two play. And if you could kind of just explain yeah. why that would be like, why does it, why does it feel so different watching them? And what did you think of Sam Darnold? So I, what I, I thought Sam played a good game. I, I think Sam is a perfect example of how close a majority of people are in the NFL to having success mm -hmm. and, and how dependent this position is. Like, let's not forget. So Patrick Mahomes, right? Everyone loves Patrick. The Kansas City Chiefs were a playoff team before he went in. Yeah. Like, Alex right. Smith was a good player for them. Like, yeah. acting like he went into this. So, that, you know, to me, the reason – let me try to attack it in a couple ways. The reason Zach looked better was because you need a specific skill set to play on a good team and have a chance. Zach has it, which is really almost thriving on creating out of chaos. Russell has it. Mm -hmm. You know, Zach Wilson has it. You know, Lamar Jackson is uber skewing to the speed side of it, but he has it. So that's why it looked better than Sam. Sam doesn't have that, hey, I'm going to go ahead and get out of the pocket here and extend the play forever 
Like that's right, not like, his game. He, he can he can do it. He has the speed. Yeah. I feel like, but he looks like our chicken, like running yeah. around his head when he does. Yeah. It. It's just not. Yeah, it's just not a comfort zone for him. However, like when you then get him on a roster that's more ready to win right now and has some really good pieces around him, he's gonna look good. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, we just. You know, a lot of guys, there are guys in the NFL that just flat out can't play. And then there are guys that, hey, depending on who I'm around, I can play. Like, listen, like Tom, I think is the probably the greatest of all time. And he, he shows it now that he's playing, you know, he's 44 and he's out there ripping daggers. But, like, let's not pretend that we've ever seen that dude on a depleted roster. Right? Like, we just haven't, mm-hmm. you know? And... And so for me, it's like there's 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 things we got to remember about this position. And I just think Sam went and showed who he is, which is a quarterback who can win in the NFL. Now, you know, it's yet to be determined on what that level is. And the, and the, the real issue with him is people took him out of USC thinking he is 100 percent a franchise game changer. And it turns out he might not be right. He might just be Alex Smith level of hey, if the team's good, I'll be good. If the team's bad, I'll be bad. And that's what's yet to be determined is kind of where is he in that range of starting quarterback in the NFL? I do think, like, listen, the truth is, is, like, if you were to if you were to have gone to New England, like, I don't think Mac Jones would be starting, right? I think he probably would have beat out Mac. I, I think there's some situations in which Sam probably beats guys out. But again, it's just all about finding that spot. Like, how much better is Mac Jones' career going to be because of who drafted him, right? Like, uh, I right. think it's one of those things. A lot that, better. A lot better. You know, like, <laughs> like there's like, you know, to me, one of the guys who I'll never forget because when I was in college, we would watch some of his stuff because there were some install things we were doing from his old offense. But Tim Couch, like Tim <laughs> Couch's college tape, the dude was ripping dimes in the SEC, <laughs> like off his back foot to the back pylon. But then you go to the Browns and you just realize, you know what? The NFL super hard. And I yeah. think it just like, yeah. you know, I think Sam more or less found, found a situation like that. But I do think Zach is better suited for where this team is. And I think Zach's going to be able to create more plays for him this season than Sam would. The argument, the only intellectual argument to be had is, okay, but... Could the Jets have gotten so much for that number two overall pick that all of a sudden they upgrade everybody around him? Like that would be the intellectual football debate of could, could would that, it would it have just been right. such a you know such a a steal to be able to trade him? That's the only I think argument to have said okay Sam would have looked good here. That's the, I really think that's the only way you could argue it. That's, that's like that would be like. You know, like what the the Vikings and the Cowboys did back in the '90s, the Herschel Walker trade, which basically yeah. set up the yeah. dynasty that was the Cowboys. Three like three Super Bowl starters and like two Hall of Famers. They draft like Smith, Emmitt Smith, and somebody else. They got like I don't. It was that's that's the sort of haul that the Jets would be hoping for. Connor, yeah. we've had that debate a couple of times whether yeah. or not that would be enough. And I'm of this. I'm I'm in the camp that I don't think it would have been because there were so many. I mean, this team won two games Agreed. last year, and I thought I thought they looked looked solid yesterday. Like. We were worried about the secondary, and the secondary looked serviceable, which was yeah. w- the bar was very low. So yeah. we were we were yeah. we were I, at least for, at least for me, I was very like, all right, like we can work with this. Um, it doesn't help losing Joiner for the season, but we're not here to talk about defense. But I mean, put, um, put, put it this way: I mean, when 
the majority of the passes are, and granted, this could just be Sam being a little panicky, which I'm sure I mean, we're used to that. But when most of the most of his passes and most of the receptions are going to Christian McCaffrey, that is yeah. a that is a good reflection on the secondary. So I mean, uh, and that is something that uh, we were joking about, like on watching the game. Is like, oh, turns out the only thing that Sam Darnold needed to be successful in the NFL was Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, <laughs> look at that. Because I mean, you look at the stats. I mean, you take away McCaffrey's McCaffrey's receptions, you take away the one pass to Robbie Anderson. I think Darnold would have finished with like 140 yards passing. Yeah. And yep. no touchdowns. So it's like, it, it's, you know, I, I know people hate when you say that. It's like, oh, take away all this and that's whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, it is a reflection on Darnold, you know? Yeah. So. And, I, and I think the, the thing to, too, remember about the Jets is, and this is where it's like, it, it's such like a, a nuanced thing of, let's say they had made the trade and they really upgraded everybody around him. And then Sam has a great year but you guys still don't make the playoffs. Now all of a sudden you're looking at paying a dude 35, 40 million. Right. And that's a whole different obstacle when you talk about the NFL and the makeup of your roster, right? Exactly. So there's a lot of stuff that I think they benefit from, from starting over with Zach in right. terms of, hey, his, his, you know, what he really counts for in terms of hit against the cap and all this stuff. It's just not even, yeah, like, listen, the Broncos, you know, I'm out in Denver, the Broncos are going through it. Teddy Bridgewater looked awesome. But what the hell could Teddy Bridgewater do that would convince you to pay him $45 million outside of a perfect run and win the Super Bowl? Like, there's nothing. Right. right? Like, you could win a Super Bowl, and I still don't think I'd be like, yeah, go ahead, cut him the $50 million check. Like, it's, it, well, it's I wouldn't even. It wouldn't even decide. be – I think the best Teddy, Teddy B would be able to do would be like a Case Keenum thing, you know, where yeah. he goes on a run like he did with the Vikings. Um, or it's uh, not, or not it's, Teddy. Teddy. Teddy was on the Vikings, but I'm talking about Ke- right. Keenum on the yeah. Vikings, right? When they went to the NFC Championship, I think that would be like the only way. Or um, it's Fitzpatrick for the Jets in 2015. I mean, yeah, right. remember when? Remember when Ryan Fitzpatrick held out for a contract with the Jets in the 20, 2016? Yeah, we're all like, like so saying excited. that. Saying those words is the most absurd thing of it. Like, and 2016 happened, and Ryan Fitzpatrick was Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know when? Yeah. You know he came crashing down to earth, and the Jets stunk again. Like. It's exactly what you're saying, Tim. It's just the Jets would have gotten themselves into the situation where are we still not sure if Sam's the guy? Yeah. And now we have to pay him like quarterback. And it's kind of similar to what the Giants are going to uh, end up going through by the end of this season. Like, you know, are they sure if Daniel Jones is the guy? Are they going to have to pay him? You know, it's he's not the guy. He's not. I don't think he is. What either, sucks but. when you have, what's I think the hardest thing, and this is almost very similar to the Sam Darnold situation, is it's like. I'm watching the Giants this, you know, because I I was watching uh, the tape this week. And it's like, I can't tell if Daniel Jones is terrible. And I, like, don't even have an opinion on him because I'm so unimpressed by the plays. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, you're sitting there and you're like, like, why would you run this play? And it's like, I went through the same thing when I was watching Sam last year. Because it's like, I can't decide if the Jets could keep Sam because it's really hard to evaluate someone when everything you're watching doesn't make sense. And right. that's why and that's why I was so befuddled, big word, befuddled <laughs> by the Jets fans being like the play calling stinks. Like what are you talking about? We yeah. just watched bad play calling. This is way better. Like yeah. come on, man. Like it's at least I, I, at the the bear even if they weren't working, it was at least refreshing to kind of see something new. Like, yeah. and, I, and we've said that, and Jesse and I, you and I, you and I said that yeah. last week or two weeks ago. It was 
we're not expecting the Jets to play the playoffs. We're not expecting the Jets to even sniff the wild card. Like, I'm pretty sure you and I predicted like five and twelve, six and eleven, and I said six. Yeah. And these are the types of games that we said that we're we're totally fine watching the Jets lose. Right. They stunk in the first half, but they went out and they recovered and they scored. You know, fourteen points is what they finished with. You know, and that's and two of the two of the the two touchdowns were Zach Wilson touchdown passes. Like that's what you want to see. And so. And the play calling, like you know, it adjusted. Yo, everything, you, everything changed once the halftime rolled around, and they got cooking. So this is what you want to see. Exactly, and we and like something I've been begging for was pre-snap motion because Adam <laughs> Gase ran absolutely no pre-snap motion, and that yeah. and honestly, like it, it, it doesn't make sense to not do it. Honestly, if you think yeah. about it, it just yeah. it gives you an advantage. It gives you it, it it gives you an idea unless you're running a hurry up offense and you don't have time for it or like the clock's moving, like. Pre-snap motion gives you what kind of like it tells you whether they're in man or zone, unless they're like, you know, like really smart defense. But you know, I mean, Tim, you could speak to that. I mean, how important is pre-snap motion? Because this is something that the Jets are doing this year that I haven't seen yeah. them do like really ever. It's really important, and honestly, it's it's a it's an interesting question right now because like a lot of D coordinators with the pre-staff indicators that the Jets are going to try to do, because it's out of the Green Bay and San Fran system. A lot right. of them are just going to go ahead and flip Zach Wilson off and not even care that the running back's out there because they know damn well he's not going to snap it. Uh-huh. The issue is, is it's like it's putting all those things together for him when he becomes the level of quarterback that D coordinators are just so panicked that guess what? He's going to walk up and snap it once and just throw a go against a, a terrible matchup. Yeah. That's what you're prepping for. Like right now it's hard because they're so busy disguising. Cause right now the D coordinators are thinking when they're playing the jets is listen, we can bust three coverages, but if we're exotic enough up front, we're going to get home. Like that's what their thought process is. Whereas, you know, Zach throughout the season, he'll start to problem solve these things at the line. And then people are going to start to, not you know say oh god i can't bust coverage because he's gonna right. he's gonna protect right. himself and now he's gonna take the deep shot and that's when they'll start to really tip their hand you know it's like when you watch tampa bay it's amazing how much just legitimate base cover three tom brady gets but it's because people are scared of it yeah right because right. they're like hey guess what we ran one clip of zero and what did he do he literally at the line of scrimmage talked to his best buddy rob gronkowski and said hey go ahead and block that guy for a second then run scene Right? Yeah, like and stuff like that. That yeah. And I'll, I'll hit so, you in like one and a half seconds. Yeah. So we'll now no one, the, the rest of the season, they won't see cover zero, right? Because what does every D coordinator do? He watches that clip. He goes home. He tells his wife that he's going against Tom Brady <laughs> and he just shits himself all week, right? Like that's what happens when they go play these great quarterbacks. So Zach's just in that process of, okay, I, you know, each week your goal should be to, to instill a little bit more fear into these DCs. And I think he will. And I think his ability to create outside the pocket is what's going to scare more people than not is because it's like, listen, even if we get home, he might just spin out of this thing and then go ahead and hit a home run. And the receivers, it's going to take time for them to adjust and scramble drill and do all that stuff. All this stuff is going to take time, but I do think it's building towards something that's, I mean, going to be a lot of fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, 
I hate this because I hate like making the comparisons like to Mahomes because everybody's been saying, oh, he's Mahomes, he's Rogers, but like just, yeah. you know, he's a rookie. So like give him time, but he looks great. But like seeing that Mahomes scramble right to Tyreek, the 75 yard touchdown he had. Mm-hmm. And I saw Zach like do something really similar earlier in the day where he like scrambled out and threw that bomb to Elijah Moore and Elijah dropped it. But I, but, but what you said were like, they're going to have to get used they're gonna have to get used to the scramble drill and where the ball is gonna come. Like Tyreek had to like stop on a dime and let the the DB run past him, and he yeah. just waited right. for the ball to get to him, and then he just then he just dipped and pieced him out, like yeah. you know, like, <laughs> stuff like that. And so so speaking of skill position, um, if you have a couple more minutes, we we'd love to ask you more about the the skill position. Uh, this is probably since this is the best skill group the Jets have had since 2015. Um, when they had Brandon Marshall go for 1,500 receiving yards and Eric Decker, and do they still have Kotri? doesn't matter, regardless. Uh, Corey Davis looked really good, um, and I'd love to get your thoughts on just the wide receiver group in general. I think that Corey Davis looked really good, and you know, there's a big debate going on. I don't know if you saw it on Jets Twitter the last two days, but there's been a big debate going on about one wide receiver in particular, and his name is Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims went to Baylor, second-round pick last year. Huge catch radius, you know, deep threat. But fans were up and have been up in arms, saying, "Why isn't he getting more playing time? He only had one catch for four, it was a 40-yard catch, but he only had one target the whole game." My question is, Robert Sala came out today and said that the reason why he's not playing as much is because he doesn't know all the positions. You know. And Braxton Berrios does. And while Denzel Mims may be more significantly more talented than Braxton Berrios, Berrios knows the playbook. Is this a thing with wide receivers where, you know, they need to be able to know the, you know, the Z, the X, like all these different positions? And how how important is it to know? Like, can't, can't Zach be like, just run a drag? Can't he yeah. say that? Or, like, is it, like, that important where he needs to know every single thing, and is that a legitimate reason why he hasn't been playing, do you think? Yeah, so I think, one, it's definitely a legitimate reason. And, and like, here's a perfect example. So, like, hey, you could run twins right gun gator, which means if I'm the number three receiver, I run the spark, and the number two receiver runs the dig. Right. But, right, and so if I'm the F, I run, or if I'm the Y, I run the spark. But if I'm in trade right middle gun... Now I'm no longer the spark runner, and it's still Gator. I'm now the go runner because I'm all the way outside, right? So Uh. to me, it's like that's where it comes up. Now, as a coach, can you scheme, hey, here's your 11 plays that you're going to run? Yeah, you can do that. Um, So I more or less wouldn't be surprised if they were trying to send a message of, Hmm. All right, ma, you know, all right, man, like you need to get your ass in the in the film room and you need to study and you need to pay more attention. I've been trying to get through to you about how important this is. And guess what? You just spent your first NFL game on the bench. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of what's going on, right? With the messaging. I don't really know any, but right. when I've seen that before to where it's like, hey, we're not really willing to to script around it and we're gonna send a message, like that's why was because yeah. things weren't getting studied and things weren't getting taken seriously. Because usually when a kid's working his tail off, you just go ahead and design six plays for him. 
when you're not getting what you want from someone is usually when a coach will comment to the media about, hey, yeah, it's important for you to know everything, and this other guy does, and you don't. Like, that's usually why <laughs> yeah. things get brought up that way. And right. that's why I wanted to bring it up, because usually they, I feel like teams will keep stuff like that in-house, where they'll be like, yeah. hey, like, know the playbook. Like, you should know that. But, you know, Mims was sick during OTA. Um, I think COVID related. I think he was just had, like, a stomach issue for, like, a couple of weeks. He ate um, bad salmon. And- he had food poisoning. Yeah, food poisoning. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. So he had a stomach issue, and then he came into camp, and I don't know. It just it, it, it for some reason it just hasn't really clicked for him. And he's really talented, but there's also some like he's not the only receiver on this team. Like the reason he like that Mims was even getting playing time in the first place is because Crowder and Keelan Cole were out right. last week with Kobe. So like once they come back, I don't even know if Mims is even going to see the field, especially if he doesn't know the playbook. Yeah. And sure, it would be great if you could have like a, a, a three wide receiver set of Davis Mims and more in the slot or Crowder in the slot or whoever you want to put there. Cause you have two guys who are like six, three fast. It can big catch radius. That'd be great to have as your, as your two outside guys. But I mean, man, if you don't know the playbook, I mean, you're, you're limiting your, you're just limiting yourself, you know? So that's, I wanted to get your take on that, but overall with the, with the skill position, what was your overall thoughts with, wide receiver group, the running back group, which they really struggled for three of those quarters, and then they finally got going. But what were your overall thoughts on the on the, uh, thought, the offensive weapons? I mean, I think they have weapons. I think the uh, Corey Davis showed, like, who he is. Right? right? Like, to me, he showed that he's a clear-cut number one in the NFL. And I think that was – I don't want to say, like, all I really cared about when I turned on the tape was that was all – but that's really all I wanted to see was in le- if you're a rookie and you don't have a clear-cut number one, like a dude who can go out and just, like, win on his mm-hmm. route, it makes playing quarterback really hard in the NFL. And then compound the fact that you're a rookie and you're looking for a nightmare. But the fact that he has that, to me, is really all that matters from that skill group. With that being said, I think there's talent, and I think guys did a good job. I think where they struggled was – like leverage in certain situations. I, I didn't think they took the correct stem at certain times. And I don't know if that, hey, it's because they coach it this way to stem this way or what it was. But, it, you know, at times it looked rigid and, and wasn't really designed to kind of win a route. Um, but I do think Davis was the dude that just showed, hey, I'm going to step up and I'm going to go ahead and, and be here for the whole season. Um, you know, Mims, the one play that he had was a flash play, right? So it is like kind of – right. You sit there and you you would love to see more of him, but again, like for all the points we already we just touched on, it's just kind of unfeasible if, especially if you don't trust him, right? If you're a coordinator and you're sitting there and you're like, I don't trust this dude, it makes it really hard to put someone in the game. And it's not like he even did much on the route either. He just ran a go and Zach put yeah. it through the zone, right? right? So like, it's not like he did a lot there. Um, Elijah Moore, he probably should have had that ball, that deep ball you were talking about over the middle um, that we were talking about earlier. He had a drop early in the game on what I think was a screen pass. And then uh, I think he only had four targets. But we were interviewing – we've interviewed – we've interviewed a couple of different Jets folks, and DJ in particular with the New York Daily News was telling us, I mean, this guy – was dominating camp like unlike he's seen from like really anybody in in recent years is this i I covered him at Ole miss when i was in mississippi um i was five feet away from him when he raised his leg and peed like a dog and cost Ole miss the the egg bowl (laughs) and everything Uh, so like he had like coming in i was like oh like i know this guy he doesn't like take this stuff seriously but then like 
I obviously learned like his relationship with AJ Brown, uh, AJ Brown, and, and all these all these different aspects of how seriously he does take it and what he's learned from that moment. And we've all were really excited to watch him, and it kind of was a little bit of a dud. Is there cause for concern with Elijah Moore, or should we just be like, he's a rookie, he didn't play in any preseason games, let's be patient, he's dynamic, and let's just let him get some chemistry. I think it's hard when you're evaluating those dynamic guys and the O-line is struggling, right? Because, you, yeah. you know, who knows how many shots that they would have dialed up for him mm-hmm. had they not been worried that Zach's going to just end up running out of the pocket. Um, you know, in terms of the route that he dropped, the deep one, it, it, I'm more or less just excited that he won, right? I think, you know, mm-hmm. the amount of guys mm-hmm. that can win deep downfield in the NFL is a very limited pool. Right. Like we're not talking about, you know, we're not, you know, we're talking about like very few guys who can just like, hey, I'm going to line up outside and we're going to win on a deep one. Or I'm going to line up at the slot and we're going to win on a deep one. Like that list is small. So to me, just the fact that he did that is a good thing. Obviously, drops are like the, uh, uh, you know, the most concerning thing you could have as a receiver because everything else doesn't matter if you end up dropping the ball. So, right. I do think there's cause for concern from, hey, we need to finish our catches. But I also think that, you know, we should be super excited because, like, dude, just someone who can take the top off a defense, if you're a coordinator, is kind of the most exciting thing to have, especially if you have Corey Davis, who you believe in as a route runner, working underneath stuff like that. Right. Right. That would be, uh, I think that would be the most ideal scenario having davis being able to go like if if you can get these guys moving together all in one cohesive unit that's the that's the dream having wilson davis more uh i mean mims i guess cole crowder cole crowder i mean just like there are there are guys who can play um obviously the running back position needs a little bit of work i think that it wasn't really their fault at all yeah. Um, they just, I think no more, of the, yeah, more of that falls on and, and it sucks to say because it's like that's the Jets strength uh, on the I mean if you could ever highlight one strength for like the past couple of years on the offensive line has been more so the run blocking than the pass blocking so to see them struggle as much as they did on Sunday was like pretty discouraging especially seeing like a guy like granted like we've already talked about Elijah Barakaka getting like pulled over and kind of like bullied at times but like yeah, I mean, especially considering how, you know, hyped up guys like Michael Carter have been and, like, you know, everyone's saying how big of a steal he was for the Jets getting him in, like, the fourth round. Like, you wish that you could see these guys, especially just because so much of LaFleur uh, doing the quote-unquote Shanahan offense right, goes through running the ball and how much it should help Wilson and how much he's going to need that with that offensive line. You know, these are the sort of things you want to see uh, get cleaned up and hopefully that's something they can do on Sunday because they're playing New England. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to need it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Tim, thank you so much uh, for taking 40, 45 minutes. That's we, we are very appreciative. You taking yeah, the time absolutely. to uh, talk with us. Um, your expertise and insight is, is, is valued. And uh, we really appreciate it. you. You really, we really do appreciate you coming on the show and talking absolutely. with us. So, uh, Thank you, and uh, go Jets, huh? Appreciate it. Go Jets, yep. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. <laughs> All right, have a good one. All right. All right, much thanks to Tim Jenkins of Jenkins Elite. Tim, thank you so much for coming on. That was, Connor, that was a lot of fun having that him That was out. awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. Having always, love show. Talk, always love talking with guys that know the X's and O's. Yeah. Like us. 
So yeah, like, there was a couple. Of, he said like at one point he was like, yeah, like he did, he runs the spark and he runs. Yeah, the, I was and, I, there, and like, I was just like, I was just like, yep, mm-hmm, yeah, of, oh, absolutely. I, I feel like the like the Will Smith like press yeah. skip where he's got <laughs> the glasses on and the vest. I'm like, yes, absolutely. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, he, he said spark and I was like, I was like, oh, of course, yeah, yeah. So I mean, in the interview and I was acting like I was talking about. Yeah, I didn't know. I had no idea yeah. what the spark route was. Um, or it's like uh, Andy Dwyer in Parks and Rec where he's got the glasses. Like, hmm, yes. The economy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, clearly, clearly. Uh, yeah. yeah. So thank you, Tim. That was fun. Um, next week, we have another really good guest, Joey Chandler. She is a beat writer for the Jets. I want to make sure that I have this correctly. Which publication she is with? Um, is she even on Twitter? I don't think she has a Twitter. Yeah, no, she does. By Joey Chandler. She worked. She works for yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. By NJ Advance Media. That's what it was. NJ.com and Star and the Star. My uh, my own my own newspaper. I uh, would get every single day. Star Ledger. Um, the Star Ledger out of Newark, New Jersey. Um, I was a Bergen Record man myself. Uh, yeah, not as good. <laughs> sorry. Um, so Joey Chandler will be coming on the show next week. We're gonna talk some Pats, and then I think the week after. We might have uh, an old friend on the show. Mm, so I'll just it. leave it at that. Mm. Someone who's a recurring <laughs> guest, someone that is uh, a friend of the program. We, we might have uh, him on the show. And uh, we'll, we'll tease that after next week's episode. Connor, my friend, any, uh, any final thoughts on this uh, week one? You want to put this one to bed? Let's, uh, let's, go out and, let's go out and beat the Patriots. Let's do that. You know? Is that too so much nice. to ask for? Is that too much to ask for? Home opener? Go yeah, on, let's go you, on you, might be, you might be asking. You might be asking for a little bit. Come on, <laughs> come on, let's do it. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, if you want to listen to any of the other podcasts on the Gotham Sports ne- Podcast Network, I'm not going to mess that up this time. Uh, you could do so by going to GothamSN.com, or you can find any of our podcasts on Spotify, Google Play iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, and I think that's all of them. Yeah. It, you know, you, you'd think at this point, like four or five years into this, that I would know all the publications <laughs> that we're on, but uh, you would, if you thought that, you would be wrong. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, I guess all I have to say is go Jets, and uh, I hope we beat the Pats. I really do. And we'll see y'all next week. Peace!